Hello, and welcome to Artist on Artist. It's the Glass Art Podcast where we interview artists and art personalities across Texas. I'm your host, Christopher Blay, news editor at Glass Tire. Our guest today is Fort Worth-based artist Carol Ivey. She received a BA in studio art from the University of Texas at Austin. And both in 2009 and 2013, she was a finalist for Houston's Hunting Art Prize. Her subject matter consists of found objects, including fruit and flowers from the garden, birds' nests, cracked and broken vases, and dying sunflowers. In a lot of her paintings, you can see the north-facing arched windows that flood her studio with light and illuminates her subjects. Her work is included in the collections of Baylor All Saints Medical Center in Fort Worth, the Diabetes and Thyroid Center of Fort Worth, Fidelity Investments in Boston, both Frito-Lay and Texas Instruments in Dallas. And she's currently represented by Artspace 111 in Fort Worth. Carol Ivey, welcome to Artist on Artist. Thank you very much. Christopher Blay. It's so good to see you and to hear your voice. This lockdown has prevented all the connections and studio visits and art viewing that we all want to see. But yes, this, but thank goodness for Zoom. You know, they positioned themselves in just the right place and uh, then the right time just happened for them. Yes. So. More power to Zoom. Okay, so I want to talk with you about your work, Carol. I've seen a lot of what you've made over the years, and I am a big fan. So it's an honor to get to chat with you a little bit about it and to get a little bit of insight in your studio practice, the kinds of work that you make, and walk me through the artistic life of Carol Ivey. Where to start? Where to start? Where okay, to start? I, I I'm have sitting some... in my studio now. Yes. Um, and Light is flooding in. I um, have behind me some of my plant specimens that are looming over me. And I'm a still life painter. I um, don't work from photograph. I like direct eyeball on what I'm doing, because for me, it's, it's making these paintings is really about the process. Yeah, and I'm looking in, what is that massive floor-to-ceiling plant behind you? Oh. Not the you sunflower, because you also have no, equally massive sunflower. plant, and our mutual friend, Les Hoffines, uh, contacted me one time, and this is how I gather these things. I've grown a few of the first ones, but now people just call me and say, hey, I've got this thing. I can put it in my truck and bring it over. And I go, yes, I'm here. So you never say no to that. I never say no. So this is a century plant. Christopher, I had to cut four feet off of it before it could stand straight up. And this is about 13 feet, the ceilings. Now, how would you depict something like that because you have it on this very well-painted neutral sort of greenish gray background hard for me to imagine that you get enough distance away from it because it's so tall yes and for that reason probably I've never painted it (laughs) at 
as a subject. If it was like one subject, I mean, I'd love to paint those tall, narrow plants like I've done a lot of sunflowers. But for this one, I would probably make multiple canvases and stack them up. I have put it in a few paintings because I have done some paintings where I back up as far as I can in the space and try to paint the space. So it's been in uh, maybe three or four paintings as yeah. an item within a space. A lot of what you've painted, they're like botanical paintings, botanical landscape. What is your attraction to that subject matter? And how long has it been a part of your painting? Well, it dates back to like in the 1980s, I was living in Austin and my work was actually abstract painting. Very different, but it was very inspired by the body, repetitive strokes, and it was about color and there was a physicality to it. I'm trying very to... Different from what I, I did. I am trying to visualize... Okay, here's the link. Carol Ivy, the abstract painter. Okay, here's the link. I moved to Seattle. I wanted to be in a bigger art town, and that's where I ended up. But the thing about Seattle is it is the Emerald City. You know, it is green in the yeah. evergreen state. And so you can't be there and not focus on plant life. Mm. And I learned about organic garden. Well, I was an organic gardener in Texas, but being an organic gardener in Texas and being an organic gardener in, in the, the Northwest is just two different things. Well, this is a great mystery solved for me because <laughs> I love, yeah, I love the things that you paint and they're so, um, they're so delicate. There's a kind of meditative quality and intention in your painting. And hearing you now describe that shift from abstraction to a direct response to the environment that you found yourself in. Clears up some of that mystery, but it's yeah. also, I still see it as a big transition. Was it yeah, that? Well, there, were some, there were some paintings that combined both the abstract and the plant forms kind of appearing, kind of embedded in amorphous form. And yeah. what really made the big leap is when I moved back to Texas, I decided for a source of income, I would further my portrait business, which I had as sort of as a side shuffle. Mm -hmm. But that had all been in watercolor mainly. And I decided to do, learn to do oil portraits. And so I kind of sought out some people who taught old master type techniques, took a few workshops and went to the studio. And my first still life were just painting to paint. You know, I was getting my chops down. And then I got invested emotionally and became bigger than it was in the beginning, which pleased me because, you know, I didn't just want to paint portraits. I wanted to paint and exhibit it with my friends. So here we are, 20 plus years later. <laughs> I've seen some of those portraits and they do have a sense of that centuries old craft tradition and they're very painterly. They have, I am thinking specifically of your painting of the photographer Loli Cantor because I've seen that painting a couple of times and every time I see it, I am 
amazed. You have everything that's essentially the person that I'm looking at, but there are nuances that give it so much more depth. She was such a great subject. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, back to the sort of old master (laughs) idea. I mean, your studio is so beautiful. You have these, uh, you're in a really old building. You're in the city that you work in. Um, You have a really beautiful window that appears in some of your paintings. Tell me about your space. There's 10 artist studios in this building, all on the first floor. My space was probably the executive office of whatever business was here. This has um, that hexagonal tiled, kind of one inch tile, Greek motif border going around. And the window is the main feature. It's an arched window. And I keep the bottom uh, covered in an opaque paper-like substance. So I block out the street and the traffic and everything. And in the winter, this window, it's a light show. The sun hits the cars just right. And, you know, there'll be like a flash of pink. (laughs) You know, if a a red truck goes by, you know, it's just very exciting. (laughs) No, I love that space. And and I remember, I think this was like 2007, uh, not too long after the building had been opened up. That space used to be just a big gallery space. Yes, and weren't you in a show here? <laughs> I was going to say I was. Yeah. In that actually what is now your studio, I had a really a large installation with a, a large format camera. I don't even know what the heck I was doing. But, but yeah, I like how spaces like that connect with the city because it's a historic building but it also has a little bit of Fort Worth art history. I feel like I'm part of a a fabric of artists and people near and dear to me that are supportive of my work and I'm supportive of theirs go back you know to my earlier days but my specific Fort Worth connections, um, I had shown in a gallery in Dallas with Susan Harrington. Susan Harrington, for our audience, is the longtime painting professor at Texas Christian University. And she introduced me to the circle that included you. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I studied at TCU, and Susan was one of the painting professors when I was there. And I had known Mary Lampy through through friends. I don't know if you remember Mary. She did programming at the Carter and was part of the um, the, the contemporary. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so they she used- stopped in Houston and, and worked for Swamp. She was the director of Swamp, Southwest Media Project. I remember the early days of the Fort Worth Contemporary when they had a downtown office, sort of a a gallery across from the Bass Hall. Yes. And That's I when I started was. kind of coming back to Fort Worth, coming back to Texas from Seattle. I did a mm. few years of back and forth, keeping my apartment there, but just yeah. to see how I could work out in Fort Worth. Speaking of community history, you were at... Um, from high school, I went From to, high school to... UTA. To Austin and um, went through the art department there. 
the whole experience. Farrah Fawcett was in one of my life drawing classes. No way. <laughs> wait, wait, was this college or high school? College. Really? In like Austin. before she became famous or like? Yes. Well, she was very famous on campus. She was a beauty queen on campus. That is a fun fact. She was a visual artist. I did not know that. I'm oh, yeah. So She's much a very skilled sculptor. But I think if you Googled her work, you would see body art. But um, so that dates me and Armadillo World Headquarters was the music capital of the world then. Yeah, and what is that? What what did you call it? Armadillo World Armadillo World Headquarters. What was that? It was a huge warehouse venue for music. Mm. And they brought big acts. And then some smaller things. I heard Carla Blay there with oh. her band for the first time. I love Carla Blay. I grew up listening to jazz. When I heard her name before I saw how it was spelled, I always thought that it was someone that had the same last name. But she yeah. spells hers B-L-E-Y, I think. Armadillo lasted until probably, and it, it started kind of about the time, early 70s to probably 76 or 77. It was down near the river mm. on the south side. So this is a perfect segue for me to talk about your early days as an artist in Austin and women and their work. Tell me about your connection with the early days and who some of the people were that you were connected with at that time. Okay. One of the reasons I want to talk about it is that you shared some information about the organization with me a a few weeks ago, but this was after... Uh, the Smithsonian Institute acquired the archives of women and their work. You were in Austin at the time you'd moved? Yes. It's not so simple. I did some other things. I left Austin for a little while. I traveled in Europe. And when I came back, I kind of connected with old friends. There was a lot of energy for young artists in Austin. And we were kind of in small groups. My women friends and I had been reading some women's movement materials and books. And uh, so this was all in the air. And there was a movement, women's movement was all over um, sort of the country. So hold that thought. And then I want to fast forward to uh, a few years ago, friend Melissa Miller and Claudia Reese invited me to join them in documenting an early chapter of our history. That had to do with women and their work. Women and their work began as an amazing festival and symposia of women's art in 1977. And after that, it was like Rita Starpattern, who was the visual artist of the group. They were pretty fried and exhausted and... This was after the the initial... Yeah, there was an initial festival. It went on for about six weeks. It had a um, visual arts exhibition, uh, a juried exhibition of area women. It was held at Laguna Gloria, which then was the art museum. And it was a big deal in Austin. It was really well attended. And there was also like performances and panels and readings. And then right after that, this gal comes to town. Her name is Claudia Reese. And she had been in a collective in D.C., and she was looking around to see 
what she where she could plug in here. Right. And she found Rita, and Rita was pretty exhausted, but she convinced her to do something. <laughs> so they got a bunch of people together and had a meeting. There were probably about 40 women that came. Were um, you at this meeting? Yes. Yeah, m- myself and my friends, we were kind of, we had been in the uh, exhibition, some of us, and so we were on the list of people to contact. And out of that, there were about 10 who raised their hands and said, yes, I want to stick with this. I want to I do something more with a group of women. And uh, we got together. I knew some of them real well, and some of them were totally new to me. And we spent about a year and a half moving and shaking. <laughs> we, <laughs> we created some exhibitions and we sort of got familiar with each other and their, our work. And uh, we were really kind of establishing uh, a direction and identity for the organization and providing um, the energy for what it took in those days to do mailings. And our culminating thing was a statewide juried exhibition. We brought Uh, Marsha Tucker in, and she was really hot in New York. She was the curator who had left the Whitney and had um, become the director at the new museum. And it was great. She came to town and, you know, and we enjoyed some of the work in person and made studio visits. And it, it uh, it was a fun time. We got national press for this exhibition and others we'd done before. At that time, there was a publication called Art Week in California, published and distributed widely, and all on paper, mind you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I was looking at some of the material that you sent me, and it's such a treat. It looks like a hard scrabble put together. Oh, yeah. uh, Literal cutting and literal pasting of just great information about the exhibition. Yes. And um, it was a wonderful thing. And Tucker's catalog essay is included in her recently published book um, called Out of Bounds, mm. um, The Collected Writings of Marsha Tucker. She, d- she died a few years ago. Oh. Rita is long gone. So we had seven members of the original 10 join Melissa and Claudia and I. You know, we got together several years ago and decided to document, provide women in their work, this history, because the current director, Chris Cowden, um, came in the mid-'80s, so she didn't know the specifics of of what went on in the very beginning. Yeah. Because during the time we were working, the women in their work became a, a nonprofit. Yeah, and I know that they also just recently finally bought their own building. Yes. Renting for a while. We're so excited about that. Did you guys have any idea in that first meeting that it would be decades still still thriving? Not at all. And that's the kind of, uh, I don't know if you would consider women and their work in the beginning as a collective, but... There was a definite boundaries of time that we were active and, you know, when, when we kind of, after that big exhibition, we dispersed, you know, um, Melissa's, because of Marsha Tucker's senior work. Yeah. That's when Melissa Miller's 
career kind of skyrocketed. Claudia yeah. went off to teach. Millie Wilson, who was part of it, she went to grad school in U of H, and I was working on my first one-person show. So we we kind of, everybody kind of learned so much, and we were so ready to move on. And one person went to, went to L.A., you know, that's Mary Hillett. The people we talked to are Linda Stanton, Millie Wilson, Deborah Vanko, and Mary Pillett. So that was fun, sort of connecting with them. So where was that first uh, one-woman show that you had? It was Laguna Gloria had a satellite gallery, and it was at Laguna, and they were doing a series of, of local artists. My show and the first few shows were under the outgoing curator, uh, who was Jean Binder. I know you're, you're, everyone's doing their own thing right now, but uh, in your connection to the Fort Worth community and just Texas-wide, are there other things, examples that kind of give you that that same sort of spark and reminiscing about the early days of women in their work? Well, I would say Fort Worth in the last, I think, less than 10 years, eight, five years, I don't know. It's so exciting to see the movement of collectives and not one or two, but, you know, uh, a real strong sense of community, both in Dallas and Fort Worth and people collaborating and the mural movement. There is so much activity. It, you. <laughs> yeah. You putting on events and uh, until you left town. <laughs> <laughs> I am there in the spirit. Uh, when I was first uh, starting to show work in the early 2000s, there were, I started a photography collective called Group F8, but uh, the original people were uh, Loli Cantor, Tanya Hubjoka, Nick Prendergast, James Johnston. Elizabeth Bowie, Julie Almondral, Christopher Jones, and myself. I like to take credit for some of these <laughs> like, grand successes. Like uh, Tanya Habjoka is an internationally known photographer. Oh, great. Out of Jordan. And James has created a lot of great movies. Nick has been working nonstop as a photographer. So, yeah, it's. There, there, but the point I was trying to make was that there was such an energy from that group because we we scoured the city, Dallas, Fort Worth, Denton, and there were a couple of groups before us. Jim Malone at, um, well, he was curating shows at um, Displays Unlimited. Do you remember those shows? I remember those shows when Displays Unlimited was uh, on, I think it was Commerce Street. Uh-huh. North, north of downtown Fort Worth. And then it was... And the Blacks at Art Space had stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was 500X in Dallas. and Yeah, and all and, yeah, all those great yeah, artists. But, but what you're talking about is just like yeah. my, experience, my early experience. Like putting out a... <laughs> not necessarily a manifesto, but just this idea of declaring that they're working together. Yeah. Uh, 
we found very few examples. But then, like you're saying, over the past 10 years, um, beginning maybe with another collective, the Homecoming Committee, yes, started in Fort Worth yes. uh, and continued for five or six years. Our Tooth, a group of amazing artists, I feel like they bring a lot of energy to yeah. what's happening in Fort Worth, but continuing in that line of yes. Texas collectives that you are very familiar with. But yeah, what a, <laughs> what a beautiful ride of uh, history of collectives and amazing work by amazing artists like yourself. Thank you, Christopher. It's been fun talking to you. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you and your work in person soon. Likewise. Take care. Thank you.